2: Hello everybody, it's JB here. There's no Tim and there's no Phil because this is not the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Now this is something quite different. This is a podcast from the Rugby Dungeon. Now we have no idea if this will work, if it won't work, but we're going to give it a go. Um, Every week, at least for the foreseeable future, I'm going to invite people down to the Rugby Dungeon who I think have got an interesting story from the world of rugby. Now this could be players, could be agents, um, it could be journalists, anyone who is willing to talk to me for an hour or so and really just thrash out the issues of today's game. Now, in a couple of seconds, I'm going to read out adverts like I always do. We're going to have no adverts in the main podcast itself. So if you don't like adverts, perfectly fine. Please skip to minute uh, three or four. We'll probably be done. But in the meantime, let me introduce you to today's sponsors. First of all, you all know them. You all love them. Cornerstone Razors. I use them. Tim uses them. Phil uses them, everyone uses Cornerstone. Why? Because they are the UK's leading brand of subscription razors, with precision German-engineered blades married to, of course, that fine, hefty aluminium shaft, which feels so good in one's hand. You can have any initials you want. Obviously, I prefer JB. You may choose others. And for as little as £4 a month, the subscription razors will land at your doorstep, and there's no... Um, there's no hidden costs, there is no obligation to continue, there's no contract. If you like them, you continue. If you don't, simply cancel. Even better, you get a substantial discount by using our code RUGBY at checkout or go to www.cornerstone.co.uk forward slash rugby to receive your discount. Uh, again, I'm constantly amazed by the amount of people who listen to our Chasers and sign up to this, and even more amazed by the people that sign up to it and tell us how good it is. It really is that good. Second of all, we have Tommy John Underwear, a brand new sponsor to the show. And you're probably wondering, well, where is the innovation in underwear I mean, there's innovation in phones, rugby, air travel, everything. Underwear, not so much. In fact, it's stuck in the dark ages until you go to Tommy John underwear. So visit tommyjohn.com forward slash rugby or use the offer code rugby at checkout. You can see there's a slight theme developing here. And see for yourself exactly where the innovation has gone, exactly what the scientists have been doing with their pointy heads and precisely what's been going on in the universities with all their peer review studies in order to make your underwear the best possible. That's Tommy John. And don't just take it from me. Look on the website, order something, use our offer code. And if you don't like it, guess what? They will give you your money back. That's how good Tommy John is. Okay. Today's guest is someone who I am absolutely delighted to introduce you to. He's played for England, he's played for Toulon, he's played for Sale, London Welsh, uh, yorkshire Carnegie, and Worcester. He's captained pretty much every team that he's ever played for, including Toulon. He's won the Premiership and to boot he's one of the nicest guys you will meet in rugby. Who am I talking about? Of course, it's Dean Schofield. So, Without waiting any further, here is my interview with the one and only Dean Schofield. So I'm here with Dean Schofield who arrived today on a bike. Yes, the Harley Davidson
3: Electric Glide. Very um, nice. How, how long have you had that for? Um, got it at Christmas. I passed my test in November. Um, I've wanted a bike for like the last five years, obviously with a profession and not being insured. Oh, that's a good point actually. Yeah, I'm just not allowed, you're not allowed to do um, sort of water sports, skiing, motorbiking. You're just not insured you basically won't get paid if you know if you have an accident so
2: so but you've still got one more year to go yeah yeah but i'm
3: past caring you know i'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm 37 now and i've just come to the point when i've I've um i'm just like you know i've been waiting long enough i'm like this is it you know i've i, I did i did a years of lessons last year so got real got quite good and quite confident um passed the test in november went to the alley shop the next day and Oh, um, nice! And everything was good. The, the, the shock on their faces when they realised oh. I'd only passed my test the day before. <laughs> I was like, I want to go with that. Did you test? Um, did you test e- um, any others before you went for that? It was always going to be a Harley. Um, the instructor that I had was mad keen on me having a look at the BMW touring bikes, which which are nice. Yeah. You know, great sitting position because I'm such a tall guy. But um, I've kitted this out. I've got the the long pegs on it. I've got some nice 16-inch bars coming. Oh, it looks um, awesome. So it's a beautiful bike, and like I say, it was all about the, the Harley Davidson. It's you know the sound, the history of the bike. I just love it.
2: So you don't fancy taking it over to the states and doing a,
3: a grand tour? I do. Yeah. Well, I'm going to France. I've got five weeks off now, so I'm off to Dubai on Friday, and oh, then, lovely! I uh, get back. I'm going to go to the South of France, just do a four day tour.
2: You do but, well is... in a bike, you know, bike a
3: bar brawl that kind of thing. Oh yeah, I do I've got the beard now? Exactly. The thing, the full midlife crash is, is is in full flow. So. Um, no, it's good. Like I say, I enjoy it. I get out on myself. You're not being tempted to bit. take
2: off the, what do you call it? The, is it mufflers or something to make it extra loud? They are coming off, yeah.
3: Excellent. I just passed its MOT, so um, they'll be coming off. Either that or I'll be getting some louder exhaust because it's, it's a beautiful bike. Um, it's, it has got that classic Harley sound, but it's not quite loud enough. Oh, it's awesome. It's it, awesome. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good to you, but I think w- w- once you've been out of it. I
2: think you need one of those uh, German helmets too. Do you know the ones like, with, with like little spikes?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the open really face. It. It's just been a bit too cold for them at the minute. Um, obviously, it's warming up now, so you get quite hot actually. In the, mm. in, I've got, I've got the, the, the open face helmet, but I do need the, the little tin thing on the top, which should, you know, create that look. And what's the plan for France? Um, basically, yeah, get back from Dubai, get, you know, just. And set off for my house, and turn up in the South France, go to see some mates who I used to play over there with, um, and that's pretty much it. It'll probably take me two days. It's a thousand miles, door to door. I'll do it in two stints. Um, have a stay over, Probably, I would. I probably stay in the Champagne region for a night nice. halfway, um, do a bit of tasting, and then crack on and finish the finish the journey. So, will he be going down as far as Toulon? Yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll be going to see um, a good mate of mine, uh, Carl Amon's over there. He's he's, he's just he's gonna sign for Paul as the, as the forwards coach so um, oh, he's gonna move he? out he's gonna move out of his house so he's having a bit of a bash so it's just a good excuse really to get over there and that'll be some party yeah we used to be in a band uh when I was over there um so he was he was lead guitarist I was on the on, on the mic uh, Wilkinson was on uh lead guitar yeah Cal on bass then we had a drummer grade one drummer uh, we were good we were decent we had about 16 songs and um just really enjoyed it got you know got us through 2 years just bit, that's bit, superb so, we'll, 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 so you're a bit of a singer then I I just I think it's just um ignorance is bliss and if you, if you just shout <laughs> I just shout and, and get the chest out and be very confident that I chest, would
2: never I would never do it with a band but you get to that kind of stage where you don't care and you're always leading you know various songs on buses and that kind of yeah, thing yeah. I would never do it never do it on stage
3: Never I, I enjoy it I, I really I enjoy it It's um, like I say it's, I, I'm just a bit of a shelter It's all rock and roll music So There's no fine vocals in there just How is um, How a, is Wilgerson On on the guitar I, I imagine he's either Going to be brilliant
2: Because of the amount of practice But I can imagine He'd be, be brilliant In a kind of Reading music Dedication way Rather than a, An improvisational Kind of way
3: Yeah you've got it spot on I think Um Obviously, um, what you get with Johnny Wilkins is just thorough dedication whatever he does. So you know he can he can play the piano, he can play the guitar, he can you know he speaks a few languages. He's just one of them guys who turns his hand to a lot of things and doesn't give up until he's very good at it. So uh, he, he was the he was the catalyst of the group. Really he got us all going. You know he'd, be, he'd take it quite serious. We'd, we'd turn up <laughs> for a couple of beers in my basement and my my house, and uh, but he'd, he'd, he'd drive it, uh, which was good. That's you know we got pretty good pretty quick. So.
2: Well, I bet I, I bet it's like two sessions a day. Uh, yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah, yeah, three right. hours. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, water breaks and all this business. But no, he, he was um, he, he was good. Like like I say, he was, he was he was just good to relax after training or weekends, you know, and do something different. Are you um, are you still playing in in a band now? No, 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 nah, nah, not at all. Um, whenever we get an opportunity, opportunity on a karaoke. Night, I'll you know, I'm more than happy to take uh, take the mic, but that's pretty much it. I've got a guitar, um, I've just started playing a little bit on my own, so I might get myself a setup like this actually. And it'd be uh, enough, you're a fan of the rugby dungeon, uh, yeah, I like it. And um, this would be perfect, so yeah, it's just the wife and the kids stop it at the minute because that you know, obviously, you start playing echoes through the house. And
2: yeah, what you need is uh, I, I, I'd recommend it for anyone who is recently for a soundproof room. Yeah, it's absolutely this is, invaluable. Yeah, this is
3: outstanding. I am impressed with this. Actually, it's a great setup. Well, it all
2: started because um, we, well, when we first started our, our other pod, uh, Egg Chasers, what we had is uh, basically a five hundred thousand pound studio, which we used to sneak into every Sunday and record. So as soon as our co-host on that tim lost uh, lost his role there we had to build this from scratch so we've literally had no idea what we were buying what we what we we were building none of us are sound engineers but somehow
3: we've come up with a a semi-reasonable rig and it works as well it works it's everything sounds good on the
2: yeah i'll tell you what the more you learn about um bloody microphones and stuff just the the more questions get asked yeah yeah it's an absolute nightmare so when you went over to to toulon uh, just give us uh, an idea of the the list of guys that were already there that you were joining.
3: Um, so yeah, so that I think, uh, as everyone knows that you know they're a very rich club, and it, it took probably up until I got there, it probably took them seven or eight years with an open checkbook. You know, th- there had been so many players there. They're just paying for success. You know, that's that's the two line. You know, they get a real passionate backer there, who wasn't scared of getting the high profile players. Philippe Saint-André went over there, so he took me out. I was captain for him at the time at Sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said to me, when your contract runs out at Sale, I'll, I'll you're coming over to France. So that I got over there, and I, you know, I think Wilkinson was there. I'd signed with Carl Lehman and then the likes of Simon Shaw, Backy's Both, Matt Gitto, uh, Steph Armitage was there, uh, Basta. You know, there, there was a rake of... Was that all in that same intake as when you went then?
2: Um, 2000, 2009, I, I, 2010 so
3: the, Juan Fernandez Lobby was there as well I, I went over with him, Rory Lamont so from sale there was myself, Seb Bruno Rory Lamont, Juan Fernandez. Wow There um, so was trying to get hold of Cheval but I think that he ended up at Racing Club um, so there's four of us and then after uh, there was another influx of players Effie and Lewis Roberts coming over and um, uh, Andy Sheridan Oh, of course, I was yeah. yeah, so so there's quite a big sale influence that you know that, that went over there. Um, and then, like I say, the, that, that I think the team chopped fifteen, sixteen players every season. You know, so I did two years there. Um, I found myself signing for Leon. I um, had a bit of a dramas with the contract there. They got relegated that season. Um, That's
2: right. Was that the same? Is was it? Was it Lee Jones that went there that that season from Sale? Lee Thomas. Lee, Lee Thomas, Thomas. Sorry, yeah, Lee Thomas. Thomas
3: went there at the ten. Um, and Philip, it was run by Philip's brother, so I, they would signed me on a three-year oh, deal. Um, but there was, a, like I said, there was complications with the, with the contract. They got relegated that year, um, so they pulled out the deal really late, which froze me out the market, which which caused a bit of trouble for myself. But we, you know, there's there's a good few offers in England, so I, I came back.
2: That's all right, so so when do deals in rugby usually get done then and when when is it usually too late to to get the deal that you want
3: um i, I think there's a I wouldn't know the 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 official date of when you can start talking to clubs I'm pretty yeah. sure it's after christmas and i think I, I wouldn't know the dates, but there is a there is some sort of time scale of when you can and can't talk to players yeah um but what happens is what happened with me is, you know i was I was approached legitimately and it was fine um but the thing was I was froze out of the market, so when they did return a contract come end of and of May, mm-hmm. I, I was already froze out of probably three deals already in France. Oh, you know right. because you can't go back then because they've, they've obviously they were in need of a second row. They've then signed, oh. so it's a bit of a pain, really. Um, like I say, everything it, we, we, we sorted it out in the in everything was fine. We sorted it out with Leon, um, myself, and my agents and, and um, a lawyer, and that and that was it. Everything was fine. So, so I mean, what was the reason for them pulling out then? It was just budget, really. I think I think because they got relegated. Yeah. Um, on the rebuild now. I think, be, I think they're getting promoted again. I think but they might be a goal. couple of seasons. Cal Ferns is there. He is. Um, it's taken a couple of seasons, but they're back now. They're back, back on full strength. You know that that team's ticking over.
2: So if, if there's a player that should have been considered bringing and shouldn't be playing in French Division Two, it's definitely Cal Ferns.
3: He's a, yeah, he's a cracking player. I remember when he came to Sale at the age of 16 and t- sort of took him under my wing a little bit because see so many players come and go in that environment. Mm. He was special, you know, he came at sixteen, seventeen, and he was... He seems like he's been around forever. I mean, well, he's yeah, well, been playing
2: for like 14 years now.
3: Yeah, he, I, you know, I think we chucked him in the mix at probably 17, 18. He was playing for us Yeah, um, and playing well. Um, he was good, good aggressive, good ball, you know, good ball carry, good over the ball. Um, just a cracking lad, really, so he's done well and he, he always was going to do well Cal.
2: yeah I think it's a real shame that he seems to be the collateral fallout from the whole Sam Burgess escapade which yeah. actually just turned out into be an absolute disaster I mean the whole thing from start from start to finish
3: yeah I, th- I think we spoke about this last last time we met and I, I think for me I think maybe I have a different opinion because I'm a player that I've, I, I just like something different I, I like the fact we brought a high profile league player over for the World Cup and um, I know to the detriment of Luther Burrell, which is you know, it's fortunate he, he's he's back in the mix now, isn't he? He's going yeah. to the Saxons tour, which I was happy. So I'm sure he's going to resurrect his international career. But I was quite, I was really excited. It got people talking. What positions are going to play? Um, oh, definitely got people it talking. And, and yeah, I, I, thought, that. I thought it was good. I thought it was good hype. You know, we had the, the England World Cup at home. I thought he added to that sort of drama which you want at World Cup, and he just got people talking. I thought for, for myself, I. I just thought it was good for the sport, and uh, I know it didn't work. And
2: I don't disagree with you on any of those points, actually. I would just say this. like They tried him at 12, and it was mixed, and no one was getting too excited. I think there was genuinely a lot to get excited about with him at 6. Yeah, But then, say you're going to play 12... Sorry, I didn't even play 12. He actually played mostly at 13 to 6, and then to put him in the World Cup against Wales at 12... Just, yeah. it just defies belief that anyone would do that. and I think that's the problem because I think if, if he's managed properly, he'd probably still be playing Union now.
3: Yeah, I think good, good on him as well. You know, for having a go. I think it takes it takes players years and years to try and get break into a national international team at any position. Oh, yeah, and he was being passed around at both positions and.
2: Oh, absolutely! I think it speaks about the measure of the man. Did the the centre stuff went to the back row and then went back centre? Yeah, yeah. And he, you know, he didn't play badly. He just didn't play quite at an international level. Where he
3: probably he probably needed a couple more years. Um, oh, absolutely would have. Looking back, you know, the powers that be would they have handled it different? Maybe potentially we could still have him as a reunion player now. Looking towards the next World Cup, but unfortunately we haven't. So. Yeah,
2: I, I think there'd be some eyebrows raised if he came back
3: again. You and I doubt know. he'd be coming back to Bath. <laughs> you never know, do you? You never know. He might come back a couple of years before the next World Cup. So, as a group of players in Toulon, then you, you're obviously still quite close. A couple of players, yeah, Steph Armitage and Carl Ayman, constantly stay in touch with them. There's a couple of lads. Who are, yeah, there's a good, there's a good handful of players that I, that I still stay in touch with. Um, yeah, there's some real, there's some real good lads out there. Good, honest lads, and mm-hmm. um, like I say, that same in any club really i've been at You always pick a good few out of there which you yeah you just tend to, to stay you know keep hold of because they're you know the generally good lads
2: and what was the feeling like there as a club because in my mind it must have been like you all picked from various places it's almost like a barbarians type feel
3: yeah there's just a lot of big characters from, from clubs all over the, you know all over the world um and it it was it was just it was refreshing you know you go into training and Training would be absolutely spot on. There was never a ball dropped. Everyone knew the jobs. So you would do line outs and scrums, and you'd have you go to a scrum machine. You'd probably have um, you know thirty thirty French guys stood around having a cigarette, just, just come <laughs> and watching your training. All is that right? Just j- shouting just the LA, fans. LA, yeah, yeah. Just come and we'd just be in the scrum machine, and they'd be all cheering. And it was you know it was crazy. You'd go trying in training. They have the stand. The stand would be full there on a training day on a Wednesday, Tuesday. Um, but like I say, thoroughly enjoyed it, good experience and um took the box in France, you know, it was it was always a league that I wanted to play in and...
2: what was the the initial move over like? Because I assume you've got a put your family, get there, find a
3: property, all the rest of it. Yeah, it was pretty simple for me. Go I, you know, at the time I wasn't married, didn't have any kids. Um just drove over there, picked a house, set up, <laughs> got my furniture sent over, job done. It was it was that simple. Um you got someone who, you got a team manager there who sorts your car out for you. Um let me get Volkswagen. Bank, Volkswagen, Spotify. of course. So you'd, you know, you'd pick, you would get something out the showroom there, and and uh, everything was done. And like I say, everything was. Um, all you had to do was concentrate on rugby. It was mm-hmm. they, they pretty much held your hand through the whole, for everything, and then it was up to you to, learn, to do the small things like learn French, um, yeah, embrace the culture, and you know, and that, and keep yourself fit. And,
2: you did captain the team for a
3: yeah, whole year. Yeah. I got I got there Neil Kirk at the time he was the club captain was was injured. So I got asked to, to captain the side um quite a f- number of times really um which was which was you know obviously I embraced it I never I never thought twice about not doing that you just you you're asked to do it and it's not really th- something you think about you just yeah I'll, I'll, of course I'll do it. Um Obviously, my French was very was minimal well, at the time. That's
2: exactly what I was going to ask. I mean, how did
3: you give the team talk? Team talk in French? But surprisingly enough, we, we were we were probably eighty percent English speaking at that point. Yeah, um, it's changed now. I think the French rugby, uh, the French union, have sort of changed that. Um, them percentages now
2: is that a conscious change? On, yeah, on yeah. Because part, we
3: it? were, they were. I think they were worried about the the the, the game sort of diluting from French players and. So now that there is a structure in there where I think it's uh, it's got to be sixty percent French players in the squad now mm. forty, and it used to be the opposite I think three four years ago. Yeah, because
2: what's the English equivalent? It's something like you know they've got to have X amount of homegrown players or X amount of English qualified players in each squad.
3: Yeah, we're quite strong with it. I think I know I know the um, the the LV Cup. It's the LV Cup, isn't
2: it? Well, it wasn't this year because it, it wasn't around. But yeah, in previous years, LV Cup. Yeah, what, what, yeah, I can't think about that. What's so that the LV Cup, Cup like last year, yeah, just doesn't exist because they had the World Cup, so they just right, scrapped okay, it. Right. So it will be back, thankfully. The LV Cup will be back uh, next yeah. year,
3: and I know clubs got financial, you know, gains out of playing full English sides in that, and I think that was that was good, from, you know, from LV to. Mm-hmm. To push that on the English game, I thought that was good for, for a young place to be guaranteed games during the season.
2: Do you not think the best place to develop young talent is actually down in like the Championship and. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. Week in, yeah. week out, rather than the handful of games
3: in, in the LB Cup. Yeah, definitely. I think if I was uh, if I was to be director of a, of a pro club, I'd have my young lads playing week in, week out at uh, Championship Club. 100%. You had a stint at um, Wakefield. Wakefield. Wakefield yeah, and I, I was managed really well. I came from Old Winnians and then I. Went straight to I went straight into sale, and that was just like a bit of a stepping stone. Really it threw me in at Wakefield just to see how I'd react to that that sort of level, and I came through fine. Um, and it just keeps you fresh, you know. There's nothing worse than you get signed as a player, but then you're a professional trainer. Yeah, it's just
2: uh, yeah, I can imagine. And,
3: and you got to be careful with these young lads, and even mid sort of the mid mid guys in the mid twenties. They have to play. Or they become very stagnant in that environment. Well, and, I mean, and it can change I've seen it happen it can change in environment well I mean, we had a
2: guy who got signed from Broughton Park and it just felt to me as if they kept him on the sidelines and he, he travelled with the squad everywhere but he just yeah. never got any game time before you know it if you're not getting game time say, at say age 19, 20 you could get to age 23 and you're still a peripheral player
3: yeah you're literally you're the- just a full time trainer you're there like I say I, I'm pretty sure a lot of the lads are the same sort of mentality Just they just want to play you know you train all week doesn't really you know if it's if you're good enough, you're going to get a shot at the one at your professional club. Um, but I think a lot of these young lads just do need to find their feet in the championship. You know, it's it's, it's a good standard. I'm playing there at the minute. Um, you know, it's a full professional league. It's you know, it's good. It's I think it's a great stepping stone for some of these young lads. How long we we at Wakefield for? Um, so I, I think about six seven months there. And I wasn't sure at the time whether the sale was going to keep me on. I was real wet behind the ears. I'd just come from the building um, industry. Um, it was my first year professional. I remember just walking up to Steve down, no agent, and said, <laughs> um, mate, what's happening? Are you going to keep holding me on? Yes or no? Because you probably wouldn't get a young lad doing that now because they know the yeah the game. But I didn't. And he was just like, it's kind of slipped his mind. He's like, yeah, of course we are. We're going to, we'll give you... Three years Oh, deal.
2: so he was, uh, he was thinking of doing it, he just never communicated yeah, it to you. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. And I, and I was sort of putting it back, thinking, what? Because I thought, obviously, I'd been on for Wakefield for a year, I thought that, that was it. You know, I'd, I'd give it a shot at the sale. Wasn't good. Um, but yeah, I was wrong, you know. They kept holding me, and, and, and then the rest was was fine. I had a great career.
2: So how how did you go from Old winnings then to getting noticed by Steve Diamond? Was there a, like a step where were you playing like representative? Yeah,
3: there's always. I think for any young kid as well, there's always someone watching. There's always somebody watching. So we I played for winnings, We we had a good cup run. We ended up at Twickenham in the intermediate cup at the time, which was an MPI cup. Against oh, yeah. we played a t- team called Dudley Kings Winford, who we were four leagues above us. I ended up scoring two tries in that game at Twickenham. We won the game, which was against all odds that we were we were going to win that. And then the week later, I was training at Leicester Tigers, which were great. They 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 invited me down. So uh. then I think the knock on effect with that within about three four weeks, Sale was like, we want you to come and play for us on a Wednesday night. So I was in that sort of. There was always someone looking around, you know. When I
2: mean, you say Wednesday night, was that the, the actual sail team? Or was that
3: the Yeah, that would, that would be like the second team. That was like was, the, the, was the, the pros. Jets? It, was, it would have been the, the Jets at the time, yeah, sail jets. I
2: mean, now, jets still exist, and I, I want to know if you're partly responsible for this. Apparently, sail jets, is so called the Jets, because the Jets and the Sharks and the musical. And as I understand it, it was a decision of the players to go with, with sail sharks and
3: sail jets, which, which I find ludicrous, actually. I definitely wasn't at the club when that decision was made. <laughs> I'm glad. I, that, that's quite interesting, actually. It'd be interesting to find out who actually did make them names. I, I, I don't know. It's a, a terrible decision. When I was when I was like I said, I, I signed as um, on a Wednesday night. The Jets were already formed, and uh, the new franchise had already happened with the, with the Sale Sharks when Brian Kennedy bought the club out, at the Sale FC. So that had already happened before me. Um, but yeah, like like I say, it was, they were they were good days. I used to train, so I'd come off. I'd rock up off the uh, off the building site in my white van, go to Haywood Road, captain a load of professional players on a Wednesday night. Brilliant. I was nineteen, um, so I was on their radar anyway. So it was just it was good, you know. Like I say, it was it was good fun back back in the day. I didn't care about anything; just wanted to play rugby.
2: So what was the Leicester situation then? Was it a case of they invited you down to train, and at that point, Sale said, "Enough's enough. You're going to come with us." Yeah,
3: it was a, it was it was it was a real strange one to be honest. I um I went down to Leicester Tigers to, to train. So I did a couple. I did a week's training with him. I said, "Right, you're going to play for us on on the Saturday, uh, t- against I can't remember who it was for the under twenty ones. That I think I think it was a Thursday Friday night. I'm driving back home over Woodhead. Completely wrote my car off, clipped a curb, span it a few Ooh. times. I, was, I didn't I didn't roll it. I was fine. Yeah. Um, got the car off, struggling for transport, and it was around that time. So so I rang them up. Said, "Look, I'm struggling for transport to get get over. Um. Within within a week, I think that was when Sal got in touch straight away. They were like, "We'll we'll sort you. We'll you know we'll get you. We'll get you over for Wednesday." Brilliant game. Which my heart was there anyway. You know, I was from Manchester. I'd watched Sale Sharks from being a kid. So yeah, that they were my team. You know, there was no way I was ever gonna say, I oh, know I'll stick with the list Leicester set up." We'll, we'll see how we go. It was oh, the, the minute Sale had a sniff. I was I was there.
2: So uh, you, I, I assume you were training what two, two nights a week with, uh, with Sale playing on the Wednesday, and then at that point, obviously, what would, well, it, would it I, have been
3: Di- Diamond at the same. Yeah, time, I, 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 it was uh, Jimmy Malander and Steve Diamond, and James Wade was the um, of course, yeah, the Jets coach. But I was, I was, um, I was just doing Tuesday, Thursday night with Old winnians playing on a Saturday, but then doing a midweek game as well mm-hmm. for, for Sale. Which you know, some there's a, we've got a Sedgley player doing it at the minute. You know, he, he'll play for a midweek Monday. Tuesday game for sale and play for, play for us on a Saturday. You know it's, that, that's just the way you've got to do it when you got. You know if you want to break in.
2: Yeah. So how do you go then from Jets? Because I imagine it's a big step up from Jets to, to full time pro at Sharks.
3: Yeah, I just got I got home and I got a phone call and it was Jimmy Malander and he just said, "Come down, we want to have a chat with you. We've watched enough of you. Um, we're going to offer you a contract." I went I went down with a full suit on <laughs> <laughs> to, to to a pub in sale. I wore a full suit. Um I don't I still don't know to this day why I did that. It was like, I like a full, that approach. It was just I, like I, I think it shows you, <laughs> shows you taking it serious. <laughs> yeah. Full job interview. Um full suit on in the sale hotel. They offered me two they offered me a two year they offered me a one year deal. Um and I dropped it. I dropped everything. I was shop fitting at the time, I was earning quite good money. Um, and I, I just signed this deal for peanuts, and I just, I didn't care. I just wanted to get my foot in the door.
2: What kind of deal would a like a first time player get?
3: Um, uh, I, that was fourteen grand a year. Was back it back in two, what was that? Two thousand and one, two thousand and two. So that was fourteen grand a year, and and like I say, I, I, was, I was probably earning four times that on site at, at, at the time. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't care. I just, it was the mo- you know I was like I had no overheads. I wasn't married. I didn't have kids. It didn't matter. I was like, I will take that.
2: You know, it's not something you can can go back to.
3: Exactly, yeah. You've got it. You've got to, have to take that opportunity, and so I did it. And then, obviously, the so then I signed a, I think I signed a three year deal after that, two or three year deal, and never looked back. You know, it was a, it was a bigger salary with match fees yeah. on top. And I remember the second year I was there, I played every game, every every single game in that season. Yeah. Um, so I'd gone from beyond expectations of earnings um, the second year, so everything worked out. Um, but I remember, it just it was it was a bit of a um, you know a bit of a sting taking that back in the day. But I, I did like I said, you just don't care when you're a young kid. You've got to take these opportunities when they arise.
2: Absolutely. So, at what stage then would someone like yourself then go and get an agent?
3: I think so. The first year I didn't get an agent. Second year, I signed. I signed without an agent. I think the second for my second year. Then I got an agent, and I've always had an agent. And I think for the last sort of few years, you get to know because I'm so old now. You get to get to know the directors, and they generally run the last three deals. I've I've spoke to the directors myself. Yeah. But I always need an. For me, it's just good comfort blanket to have an agent with you. You know, if it gets a bit awkward for the club, you can just put it through the agent. Yeah, I imagine. You know that it's it's that. See, it. it just takes that bit of personalization out of it. You know, the, let let the agent sort of figures out, and then you can just concentrate on. Your your rugby relationship with the director, as opposed to talking cash with him. Yeah. Some of them like it. Some of them don't. Um,
2: well, I guess a lot of the the directors of rugby are about as uncomfortable talking about cash as actual players.
3: Yeah. It's, First and foremost, they are, they are rugby guys. That's it. So it is why I think you know it's very wise to 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 leave all that to your agent. Just just let them do it, and mm. it's what they paid for. You know, they it they will take from five to ten percent, whatever whatever arrangement you have from your agent, and um, they they're good. And like I say, for for a younger player now, you, they they just know the market. You know, they know exactly what club wants. You know, who wants who. And yeah. I
2: still find it a little bit difficult with the agency scene that, as I understand it, it's the clubs that pay the agents, which I think is very peculiar because you'd have thought it would be the player that pays the agents in order to eliminate the yeah. whole like conflict of interest.
3: I think that's on the turn. I think that's I think that's eventually that that's starting to to change a little bit. I know I know um, a previous club I was at. Um, changed it halfway through one of my contracts that the that, 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 that you know you pay the, the 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 agent fees as opposed to to the club yeah um so it's just it, it's say it's i'm not sure different clubs have different policies
2: from what i understand Saracens have have, have stopped using agents altogether now so yeah. when you sign you you with an agent but yeah. when they redo your contract
3: no agency fees whatsoever yeah what well, they want they won't introduce an agent no yeah, see I'm not sure where that'd leave a player who was out of contract the year after you'd need an agent. Well I guess yeah, because
2: you basically burn your bridges then. Yeah. Because if you've said, Well, i am gonna sign my first deal and then my second deal, I'll do it on my own when you move you in all I would imagine that you're in all sorts of hot water.
3: Yeah, it's it's, it's a it's a grey area, like I say, that different clubs have different policies like you've just mentioned, Saris. Mm. I'm, you know, like I'm, I'm not sure. Some, some, some in
2: terms in. of agents, then, I mean, did you ever have a situation where you'd be badgered by agents on sidelines, or you'd be introduced over dinner, or no, whatever? I've, maybe? I've always
3: been really loyal. I, I went to, uh, I went with Simon Cohen. When, I, when, I, when I, that, that was my first agent, mm-hmm. and then um, he got passed. I got passed on to Richard Wilkes, who I used to play rugby with at Sale. He went into agency, works for Green Room Sports, and um, I've been with him for my full career. Oh, excellent! I, I've just. You know, it's literally um, it's one of them. I think a lot of young lads now swap agents, like. Oh, Dennis, oh I mean, just... I've
2: I was speaking to um, a fairly young fellow about um, agents, and one of the things that was mentioned to myself, which I found terrifying, is um, that they picked the agent because they were linked to an events True, organization. Yeah. Yeah, not because you know they had a great strategy for after game um, careers or anything like that. Literally because they could get him tickets to Drake or you know yeah wh- yeah, you know, whatever, yeah. It may, I whatever it may whatever it may be. James thought it was absolutely ludicrous.
3: That is the that is the unfortunately that is the way the game is and that that is the younger player these days. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm not categorising that you know the the young academy lads, but there is a um, there is an eye maintenance factor. Yeah, crack breaking into the game and. Um, I think the worrying the worrying thing is you you see players now who finish playing rugby they've got absolutely they sat there twiddling their thumbs they've played on the Xbox for the last ten years and rather than ask their agents for a building course at the local college or a university degree they're asking their agents for boot deals car deals and things that does, <laughs> yeah. the, the things don't that matter just, things that just don't matter just exactly. play play the game play well and the rest looks after itself you know that's that's the reality of the game. It's a really simple game.
2: Yeah, and actually, I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm talking to you now on the end of what like a 16 year career, probably, yeah. probably even longer. Yeah, and that, but that's going gonna, to gonna be particularly rare for most of the lads. It's probably two, three years of being a paid yeah. professional yeah.
3: before you start dropping on the leagues. That's it. I think um, the, the careers. Are, I mean, the way the, the game has gone, I think the, the, the careers are going to be shorter. I think that, that you know the the intent. I was speaking to Nikisa actually today on the phone and. He was, uh, we were talking about the game, how much it's changed, and it's just collision-based now. Everything's breakdown, everything's collision. Yeah, it is lit, It's so intense that the, the young lads coming through now are just just absolute machines. Um, like I say, I'm, I'm, I've got a sixteen-year career, but what was the game like ten years ago? You know, mm-hmm. you could run it. You could run at a ten or a twelve or a thirteen and run over them if you was a decent ball carrier. But now them boys it like steam train you know it's uh it, the game's just completely evolved it's hard
2: to know what they're going to do next because the one thing which annoys me about the about the current progression of the game is the constant adding of more and more games so i mean we've got a situation now where the england boys gonna to have to play another game against wales which is completely pointless it's just yeah. it, in fact if anything it it cheapens the caps and it's another high intensity game at the highest level yeah. yeah, and I think the, the way things are going in the chase for revenue, not only are they diluting the product. I think the, the amount of work the players have to get through—it's it's, it's just too much.
3: Yeah, it'll be a tough. Um, it'll, be, it'll be a tough tour. That'd be interesting to see how the Saxons go, obviously, over in South Africa after a long slog of a campaign. You know, it's been a—it's hmm. been a, like I said. Uh, I was I was speaking to Nick this morning, and, and, and we was talking about. Uh, he, he was talking about the different the, the short difference now. It was uh, the short difference between the England's the England set-up and club rugby now with the the gap, but you know f- five years ago there'd be a massive gap in between the intensity of that that England set up yeah. and club, and now we were saying that it's it's the, the gaps nothing you know you can bring a lot of you can bring a lot number of players in, and they're at that intensity already they've got that speed quickness awareness, um, uh, and do you think that's just testament to
2: the way the clubs are handling their players? I do, now?
3: Yeah, I do. Yeah, like I say that, that um, you know you you look at Jack, young Jack nolan but the way he is in his development and he's come through the academy systems mm. he's, he's and he, and he's he is he, the new uh, and, you know you look at told mario Atoji.
2: that boy, that boy's got some talent the, the, guy, the
3: <laughs> guy's an absolute monster you know he's what was he 20 21 and um like he's, he's, he's a full grown man
2: Well that's an interesting point actually As he plays in your position second row What do you see in him which you think um, is really quite special Because you can see it there But it's just hard to put your finger on
3: exactly what it is He's just intense isn't he He's in he, everything um, He's he's a second row that can tackle and contest Like mm. a back row He can actually yeah um, You know he's lying out Defence is absolutely I know Steve Borthwick's going to be working with him in England and will have worked with him at Saris. His line out defence is is phenomenal.
2: Do you know what? There was a, a passage of play uh, against Wales. Um, being a Welshman myself, it broke my heart. But in the Six Nations, Wales had a perfect bat ball and he just picked it off. And he's you think that off, is, yeah. that's that, that's a different league there? Yeah,
3: yeah. He's he's they're, they're super intelligent. Obviously, he, 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 he's obviously an, analysing the game um, to some degree. And um, But he's the next generation of second row, you know. I think. Mm. Um, Gonna, because he can he can also give you a, a lot of power in the scrum. So his outputs are, are through the roof. Um, it's, it's a pleasure watching him him, him and Cruz. But if you look at, launch and Courtney Laws, I thought they had the second rows tied up for the next five years. Oh,
2: agree. Uh, well, between those two and Polling, you would think yeah.
3: Yeah, and it's then, a great pairing. And Cruz and Mario have come come now, and it's it's uh, you know they've, they've got that next level.
2: Well, people will be sick of hearing me say this, but um, uh, I went to the England kit launch. And the two guys that stood out to me as being just absolute monsters was Joe Mauler, but the other one was George Cruz. He's just
3: huge. In real life, he's yeah. he's a monster. Yeah, he's a big lad. He's, he's he's a big lad. I like the way he plays as well. He's no nonsense. You know, he gets stuck in. He's, he's, his he's work rate's phenomenal. He's making probably twenty tackles plus every international. He's he's good. Um, and like I say, he's he's the mall in the defense of the mall He's 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 your man.
2: Not to take anything away from those two players, how much um, of their success do you attribute to the Saracens' way of playing?
3: Oh, massively. Um, I think Alex Sanderson's doing a great job there. He was a mate of mine when I was at Sale Sharks, and I know how he operates. He keeps uh, a constantly re- uh, refreshing, good environment there at saris and um, he he will only have great influences on them two lads' careers. You know, yeah. I think he was an aggressive back row himself. He tackled, competed phenomenally, and I think... There's a probably bit of him rubbing off on them too, you know. I think the way they play, very abrasive in the breakdown. I think that's probably, you know, Anderson. Uh, so that's uh, input there.
2: Yeah, they've got a very interesting way of playing. I mean, I love when they do pull fan out and they just uh, will absorb pressure for the best part of 16 phases and then all of a sudden they'll turn it over and away they go and score. Yeah. I absolutely love it. I, in fact, if anything, I think all this chat about attacking rugby is completely overrated because there's, there's nothing better to watch than the team effort of just solid defence. Yeah, I it's, love it's,
3: it. it's, it's a great way of showing your emotion, isn't it? You know, through your defence and... You can see that every game counts for them, boys. It, just in their defence alone, they, you know. Don't get me wrong; they are physically probably the fittest, strongest side, you know, in the prem. And I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, obviously they play extra weekend, don't they? And we'll just, we we'll just see how it go. But you know, your money's going to be on Saris for that game. I isn't ca- I it? Do you
2: know? I can't see any other outcome. I can't see any other outcome. Then a fairly sizeable Saracens win. Yeah, I'd love Exeter to win. I think everyone in the country would love Exeter to win.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you, you, you never say never. Look at Leicester football this, this year. You know, you, yeah. you can never, you can never say never. But um, I think, um, yeah, that Like I say, they're a good machine, they're, they're well-oiled. You know, they've been there, they've been in them big games many a times now. It'll be a new experience for Exeter. Um, they'll take a lot from it, but my, I'd say, I'd say my money's definitely on Saracens for. Uh, for Saturday's game, yeah,
2: you played in a Premiership final, yeah, what is that actual occasion like?
3: um, I think it was just get the job done what one more game, just get the job done. We were never grateful of being there, or I can never remember thinking this is it it, it was the proudest moment of my career winning that mm-hmm. premiership just because of the hard work that goes in the whole season mm. Mm-hmm. We steam we steamrolled everyone that year, um, and we finished top of the league, and we we're the first to do it. We finished the top of the league at the time, and we got the playoff system, and we and we and we obviously won the league. And I just I, the occasion, you know, it's ten years ago now, but I just seem to remember that it was just because we had so much momentum going into that game. Yeah, we knew we, we knew we had a we had a real. I would not say we were overly arrogant. We just had an inner belief that you get in that environment, and you don't get it that much. You don't experience that. You were you going into games knowing you're going to steamroll teams, and that's how it was. And it was no different against um, against Leicester. We went in there fully confident that we were going to get the job done, and then we enjoyed after.
2: Nice. Am I right in thinking it'll be close to the ten year anniversary? now of that.
3: It is this. I've had a few tweets this uh, today. Actually, it's this week. It's this week. This is week to the uh, the ten year anniversary of that game. Ten years, but you know, it's that's ten years has just gone. It It feels like ten weeks flown by. I remember the game inside out, I remember everything about it, I remember everything after it, I was off to a, my first ever England Saxons tour away I think, the, the day after, mm-hmm. which spoiled my celebrations a little bit because I was in an England camp, on the, the game was the Saturday and me and Richard Wigglesworth were in a England camp on the Sunday, but yeah, great occasion, great great for the club, great for everyone who supports it and it was just a hell of a day you know, to win the way we did as well, it was... Um, Convincingly. Yeah, and, and it was just a full season. I remember, I, re, I just remember going to teams like Bath away, which were, were tough, you know, tough game, tough places, real physical teams. Yeah, and you just you you you'd steam you just steamroll the hell out of out of a pack of forwards.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I remember that Sale team being a very special team and a team that played a lot of good rugby too. Yeah, yeah. Do you think there's ever an element, and Steve Diamond talks about it now, of Sale being unfairly treated by England? You look back at all the great players that they had and, and still do to a certain extent. Um, people like Steve Hanley, yeah. a certain degree, Charlie Hodgson, who you'd say hasn't really had his fair England shots. Uh, Willsworth; those two both weren't Heineken Cup. Yeah. Um, yourself, Lund. I mean, there are a load of players that you would say, if they maybe were at Leicester or somewhere, they might yeah. have a few more caps, if I was to be argumentative.
3: Yeah, I think, I think, um, if you're not far from the truth, I, I remember Phil Jones writing in the presser at some point and even quite to my own team teammate well I think um I I broke into that Saxon time at the Saxons team around two thousand and seven, eight and I felt I felt I was good enough, you know. I think mm. I, was, I was I was I was I was always behind uh Martin Johnson and Ben Kay. Fine. I'm yeah. the, I'm never gonna top them. Simon Shaw just kept going. Yep. He was really he was very strong. Um Lewis Deacon on the other hand he, I think he might have had fifty caps, Lewis Lewis. Is uh, that right? I How think many? so, yeah. Um, and I always pl- sort of played second part to him. Yeah, every, every every year, kept my my contract came up at sale. Lesser Tigers would want me in there, so even <laughs> their own boss coach would want want me in, in that team. Yeah, um, I, you know, I can retire knowing that it was great, but um, I just didn't get that England. Now, now I I like to just think that, you know, if you're good enough to play for England, you're in. It's that simple. I think. Um, unfortunately I was behind two very very good second row three sec- good second rows you know four actually with Danny Grewcock in there as yeah, well yeah of course well yeah I mean so it was, it was just a, it was a tough time for me I think I was probably I was never going to be I was never going to muscle my way in between them mm-hmm. four you know they were always playing good for the clubs and um, just I, I, I you know I wasn't quite good enough but then I think towards the latter, sat, latter end well look I went I went to I, I was talking to go to France at, at 31 anyway so yeah, that was it, It's an
2: interesting one, that, because you just mentioned D- Danny Grewcock then. And for me, uh, he kind of, as good as he is, he's, he struck, struck me as, as a bit of a late bloomer in his career. So he had his best years right towards the end at Saracens. Um, and as for, for the way he played in England, I don't think he played the way he, he plays best. I think he tried to play kind of, how can you say, um, tried to almost emulate... That Martin Johnson style, which wasn't him. He was more athletic. He was better at yeah. line out, but he never, he never quite translated that in into his England form.
3: Yeah, I thought, like I said, I thought, um, when when I ever played against um, Grewcock, it was. Um, oh, know, sorry, <laughs> are we talking about Borthwick Oh, um, Bothwick. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, but but I thought Both. Yeah, you're right. I thought I thought the, you got the best out of Bothwick towards the end of um, the end of his career. I, I think one. I think. Actually, Barthel might have wrote this. In, I've read it somewhere that he literally used every ounce of his body. You know, he weren't genetically yeah. the quickest or strongest. He just used every every, every tool that he had. He used, um, and I thought that went went a long way with with England. I thought his line, you know, his line out detail was, you know, untouchable. Um, there was nobody in England doing the work and putting the hours in that he did. So you know, for these factors. You know he's a he's a great England candidate. You know he was a love of the game. He was a studier, um, and like I say, he was he was a he was a grafter as well. Um, completely different player than me. You know I think he was he, like I say he was a he was a, he was a complete lineout forward and um, more. Well, t- yeah, I mean, yeah. I think of
2: if if comparing se- se- second row. to the guy we mentioned before, Danny Grewcock, is and and you were yeah. more similar there. No? Yeah, yeah. Steve Borthwick.
3: Um, so yeah, because he captain. He, he captain England, didn't he? I think he like
2: twenty odd caps, caps as captain, which you know is is
3: fairly fairly impressive. Yeah, it is, it is impressive. But uh, he, he, I think he's you know going away from his rugby career. Like like I say, he's, he's he's had a cracking career, Steve Borthwick. And if you look at what he's done, that Japan was was outstanding on mm-hmm. it with Eddie Jones at the, the World Cup. The way they turned that, that Japan team round, and obviously with England now, he's he'll, he'll be he'll be good.
2: So is he is the camaraderie you have with the, with the sail boys because it's a bit more of a local club and and of it a little different to the camaraderie you have with the Toulon lads still.
3: Um, it's exactly the same. Is it? It's I, yeah, they're the same, same mould of players. Actually, same...
2: most of them are the same lads. To, yeah. to be fair, <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> now nah, you know, it's exactly the same mould of players. Same, same group of lads. When you look at likes so of Matt Gitto He's completely down to earth, lad. Uh, you know. He's he's probably hard to fathom when you see that you know the, the amount of caps these guys have and where they've been in their careers, but they they are literally just you know leave your ego on the doorstep, you're in the club, and that's that 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 that's probably in every club I've been at.
2: And how was how was the social in in Toulon? I imagine you're all there from all corners. Yeah, it was you. yeah, it was good. Well we, we
3: we always um, we always had a drink and we always after every game. Pretty sure they still do that. It was quite a close community in terms of. There's a lot of English-speaking lads there. We all had holiday homes. That was the, like the sort of given in the contracts. You get a beautiful sort of pad, and we would just have we just stay out of the public eye really. You know, you go into you'd have house parties and just 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 enjoy it really. And, and I thought I think that culture brought us that team closer, and I think yeah. it still does. And you know, I think I think it's very important to socialise. I'm not talking about every weekend, or I just think it's very very important to. To have a beer if you win. Sometimes more importantly, if you lose, mm. in any team sport, I think it's always good just to to have a beer, put it behind you, get the reset button, start again on the Monday. You know, I think. Well,
2: that's it's, probably yeah. quite a good place to lead into your experiences at London Welsh. Yeah. Now, from my understanding, tell me if I'm wrong. You were at Worcester. How do you decided to retire?
3: Yeah, yeah. So two, I had two years at uh, Worcester, and what would I have been now? Thirty-four, I think. Wow, well, getting. Maybe. Yeah, 34. So I was like, yeah, that's it, job done. And then I get a phone call off. So I'm probably six weeks into my off season. I get a phone mm-hmm. call off Justin Bernal. They just won the, the playoff uh, final against um, Bristol. I get a phone call out of the blue, and it's Justin Bernal. He says, Do you fancy it one more year? And I said, Yeah, let's go for it.
2: What was the trigger to make you say yes? I mean, I. I assume you could have stayed at, say, Worcester or there's other offers on the table.
3: Yeah, so well, why that offer? The offers had dried up, to be honest. I, I, I'd spoke to Leeds, but they had some in house problems. They, they were they were in the middle of changing a coach. and So I just put that on the back burner. I, I didn't chase the Leeds yeah. deal because um, my eyesight was, you know, if there's a chance of playing in the Prem, I'd have done it. Um, so, yeah, just like I say, I'd just spoke to Leeds and I'd put that on the back burner. And then I'm sort of sat back and think, okay, this is retirement. I've You know, I, you can't grumble. I've been going for. Yeah. Whatever. But we was fifteen, fourteen years at this point. Justin Benal rang me up. Do you fancy it for a year? Let's go. Um, we have just got to try and stay up, consolidate league position. Yeah, let's go. Turned up at pre-season, and got stuck in for the uh, absolute. It was it was a, it was absolute hell. Obviously. Was it? I mean, like hell. So I mean, what what was it in particular that you just felt? You, I, I'm wasn't... talking like one of the. It was it was complete flip. It was it was it was great. The, the, the set of lads there you, I got so close and so tight with you know the majority of them lads because you're under the cosh every week mm. um, and it, that brought us real you know we, got, we were close we, all we had was each other I, I know it sounds real cliche that but to get points 50 points every week um, and turn up on a Monday ready to go again was just a massive I'd never seen anything like it it was the lads, same lads coming in every Monday that aspect of the, of the of That year was special, you know, to have the lads who just didn't give in. Um, but the rugby was hell, you yeah. know. <laughs> you're going, you're playing away, um, you're playing in this pink kit. You get, yeah, a good,
2: what, what was yeah. the pink kit all about? I do, you know, Welsh, I
3: do not know who picked that kit. It's awful
2: because they're such a storied club and they've got actually nice, traditionally, they've got a nice kit and they came with that uh, horrible scales on it and all sorts. It
3: was terrible, and we were getting beat 30 40 points, and not only that, in a pink kit and it's just like oh my, it was it was the rugby was you know it was it was tough going but like i say the coaches the staff there the lads were unbelievable you know like i say to turn up every every monday after a hellish defeat on a sunday we just kept going and and, and the supporters were great as well we we knew where it was. I think we were relegated by February. I think. Yeah, I think uh, it was fairly early. It was early. Um, I think we had a point. I think we we finished the season on oh, one. Was it one point?
2: Did you have any so a points deduction as well, which didn't help? Uh, maybe Tyson Keats. Maybe.
3: Oh, that was that would have been maybe maybe that would have been the, the year before? before. Yeah. Which doesn't um, help anyone. But yeah, look, it was a, it was a good ex. I have no regrets in that like that year at all.
2: So, I mean, without wishing to throw anyone under the bus, I mean, did you think that it was a mistake for them to let all of the all of the, the guys that got promoted go? Yeah, and then start yeah. again.
3: Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, to get rid of to get rid of the heart of a team. You know, there's 20 lads who without contracts all sat home twiddling their thumbs and playing for the clubs, watching another 20 lads get get it pumped of At least just stay with the same team. But you know. Yeah I thought it was the most Bizarre situation Because I mean You alluded,
2: alluded to it before In Toulon They spent every penny That needed to be spent Now London Welsh Followed the same strategy But they didn't have the checkbook To follow it through No So if, you get,
3: if you're getting rid of 20 players You need to bring 20 Double yeah, you've got, in Yeah
2: because you've got To win immediately and yeah. You've got to gel immediately
3: Yeah Dead right So I mean like I say that that I wasn't part of that decision I wasn't um, I don't know why that decision was made But you know Obviously it was But if you look at the if you do look at there is, if you look at the core of that team, mm-hmm. that that year, most of them played the final anyway. If you look, if you do, if you do actually uh, look, okay. in, if you do actually look into that team, I think eighty percent of them, on a lot of occasions, were played played that final.
2: Yeah, and it's a, it's also a strange one because although they. Although I think they got relegated so early, there are actually players who have come from that experience and kicked on. You think about a petty finou at Leicester, Yeah. Lachlan McCaffrey is yeah. another one. Two, left, two, two back rowers. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's someone else as well that's doing uh, um, particularly well some, somewhere now. Yes. They'll come back to yeah. that. I think it was more a case of they just hadn't, they hadn't gelled, they hadn't played together and you know the inevitable happened. Yeah. The other question I was going to ask about the no, marsh is it true that that the team runs uh, or the captains run was done on on a Saturday or a Friday uh, due to the distance everyone had to travel?
3: No, no, no. That was never an issue there. I I travelled I travelled the furthest I used to go back to Manchester on my day off. I used to use the train. Where were you living
2: at the time? Was it? I lovable? lived
3: in I lived in Swickenham, so I lived, I lived, so uh, I, lived okay. I lived down there a few nights a week, and then I'd get maybe a day off in the week. So I just shoot back on the That's train. That's
2: quite a nice way to uh, split your time.
3: Yeah, um, so I'd shoot back, see see the family, then I'd shoot back for if it was a team one. But nobody, you know, they were, um, it, the, the, the distance that people lived from London. Well, it wasn't it, that wasn't a factor at all. If it was, I'm pretty sure would have brought it brought it in and made made sure everyone was living mm-hmm. living there. But it was never it was never a factor where people. People were living, you know, dotted around London. Yeah, there's a few few lads in Wales, um, but they all had pads in in London. So, no, that 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 was never ever an issue. There was never anyone not turn up for a, a session due to traffic or everyone, oh, right. everyone was okay. there. So, yeah. um, no, we, we, the lads were pretty professional on that when it came to that sort of stuff. So, yeah, no, that that was that was that uh, was all good.
2: The upside of it is basically it basically gave you three more years. You're now at Leeds.
3: Yeah so I finished there uh, I remember speaking to Redpath Because they they, they they changed the team they got a new coaching staff in at London Welsh They went with the lads who they were going to keep Which was rightly so um, To finish the season And I just wanted to play some rugby And I told We played Sale and I remember seeing Redpath And I was like Look mate I'm, I'm old but I still want to play I just yeah. want to finish well Um, I, I didn't know he was getting the Leeds job And he didn't um, But oh, okay. I'm pretty sure when he did get the Leeds job because I played with Redpath at Sale, and he could still see I was passionate about playing and not wanting to finish like that. He, he signed me at Leeds this year, and I'm 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 thoroughly grateful for that opportunity because it's put me, at, you know, I was in a real dark place with the rugby. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I suppose after London Welsh, that's not how you'd want to, to end it all. Yeah, that's it. I think Leeds, um,
3: that's it. Playing, you know, I've had a, I've had a cracking season at Leeds. I've enjoyed it. Great. I've I've embraced the lads, and we, we've had we've played some good stuff there. So yeah, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm loving the sport again, and um, although I've, I, I, you know, sort of fell out, I didn't, I won't say I'd fall out of the sport, but I think um, it's, it never hindered my professionalism or mm. wanting to play. You know, I think um, there was just a few demons where I just think I just didn't want to finish that that season like that last year. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's been, I've been, you know, it's been it's been a real good year this year. No,
2: the Leeds project seems to be quite interesting. Got a good mix of ex- um, experienced pros and you've got a good core of youth too. I mean yeah. Paul Hill uh, signed last season for North Northampton. Yeah.
3: So how do you expect them to go next year? Um we're going to go we're going to go well. We're going to go well. I'm I'm pretty sure we're going to be there um at the last hurdle I think, you know, obviously we have got to make top 4. We've got London Irish who are going to be top contenders and probably favorites to bounce back up. Mm-hmm. Um but like I say we we play a great brand of rugby there. Um we we we've got Jimmy Lowe's there, who's a rugby league orientated, who who, who have just started to work with now. Um, we we we're going to do we're going to do, do well. I think uh, we'll just see how we go. We, we'll just see how we go.
2: Though you mentioned that you've got a bit of rugby league experience there with the coaching side. Uh, my understanding is Sale at the moment basically have Steve Diamond who does a bit of forward stuff. Yeah, like the forwards look after themselves, quite experienced, and they have Paul Deacon basically just going just going through patterns. Is that the sort of thing which you would been up in Leeds?
3: Yeah, I think the Rugby league, the rubber, the rubber league coaches come with a lot of you know a, a lot of experiences. We can take so much from Rugby league. You know, you look at Sean Edwards with Wasps, what yeah. he did there, and with Wales and um, Andy Fowle, um him, Sarries, England, he's Mike he, Ford's now now Ireland. Ford. They 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 just they they, they know the skill set. They know what it is to break a line. That you know, it, it's a very it's, it's it's a highly skillful game. Rugby league when and. Only because we've got more linen, up yeah. drives and scrums, and you know that's that, that, and that, that's the difference. So uh, a lot of the, a lot of the rugby league coaches excel, and yeah, we, 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 we've got Jimmy Lowe's there, so it, it'll be good to work with next year.
2: Now I can't possibly let you leave the dungeon before you've told me about getting signed by Steve Diamond, uh, and his improvements.
3: Oh yeah, that's a great story. <laughs> it, it was. You look at we were talking about Mario Toji earlier, really, and you, I can just can you imagine this happening with with a modern day professional? I'd I'd um, come back from, I'd, I'd obviously signed a cell with, um, I, was, I was straight from the building game, and Steve Diamond had said, I'd been at Wakefield, and he said um, on loan, he's like right, okay, we're going to bring you in um, to play against Leicester Tigers, play against Martin Johnson, um, but you got to fit me a kitchen. So I remember turning up the next day at his house with my toolkit and he thought, he, he, I think it was a bit of tongue-in-cheek, I thought, <laughs> I, I, you know, I ended up doing the job for him um, and then I started against Leicester Tigers um, and that is just classic Steve Diamond, isn't it? But, well, I mean, the question that everyone wants to ask is what kind of taste in kitchens does Steve Diamond have? For? <laughs> I can't remember. I think it was an old, old kitchen at the time. Was certainly went
1: empty. MD- Ready to pop the question?
3: Yeah, anyway, um, but I think that Steve Diamond, he was, um, you know, he was a canny operator, still is. But so uh, we still have a laugh about that now. Um, doing, doing kitchens at Steve Diamond's house to enhance my rugby union career. Wouldn't look back. Wouldn't change it to be honest. <laughs> Must have done a decent job for him because uh, he looked after me. Kept, he kept me in that team for. Yeah, well, I mean, he's one of the.
2: He's one of the truly underrated or underappreciated individuals in all of rugby, in, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, what he did with that sale team before saint andre and what he's done since coming back, I think has that been absolutely brilliant, and two completely different sets of circumstances too.
3: Yeah, he's, I think he's good, man. Manager, I think he's um, from what from what I make out. You know, he, he speaks sterling with the lads, and he's, he's no messing. And that's what's worth sale That that's that's the team they are. They always have been. They've always had that underbelly of northern mm-hmm. grit and. Uh, The environments have always been that, you know, on and off the pitch, Um, real honest environment, and I think he brings that in abundance, and he'll um, he'll go, you know, he'll go well there. I think I I can't see that that position changing for a long time, Um, but he's 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 a a cracking he's a cracking leader, and I think Sale just keep on bouncing from strength to strength. You know, I think. They're unfortunate to to miss out this this year, but yeah, very much so. Uh, you know, especially with that record. Well, I mean, uh, I think they only lost get one game on it last. The last yeah, one the against Gloucester yeah. um, disastrous. If they pick up, you know, I think if you win all your own games and you maybe win four away games, I think you finish top four.
2: Well, I think it's, it's almost the case with Le- um, Leicester, with with Sale that people forget that they're there, and then all of a sudden it, it shows up on the fixture list, yeah, and yeah, then you get yeah. beaten away from home. Yeah so um I think he's done a fantastic job he's one of the guys i would most like to interview because I think the perception you get from him on t v and what he must be like away from the cameras and yeah. must be completely
3: different no he's, he, and you're probably right you know he's a he's a good guy but that's rugby isn't it same with players you know you go on the pitch you're a completely different player than you are off the pitch you have yeah. to be like that um and that's why it's not that easy you know i think uh the, the these characters and these the, these personalities you get in, in Probably in any sport, I think, once they're away from that environment, they turn into the, the normal, nice guy, which...
2: Yeah, well, which I mean, that. we've got an election soon for Mayor of Manchester, so uh, if, if you want to get stuff done...
3: <laughs> yeah, get him in there. Exactly. Brilliant.
2: Well, Dean, that's been absolutely superb. Yeah, Feel free to come back.
3: anytime you want. Yeah, thank Thank you very very much. much. I've enjoyed it. Cheers for having me. Cheers.